Stephen, the pastor of our church, and I'm so glad that we could be together today and to look in to God's word. Um, I want to say a special welcome to, uh, to our kids. Hello, Harbor City kids. Um, I know that some of you are sitting with your parents uh, in the midst of our service, and I, I just want to say good morning. Good morning, kids. Um, I want you to listen today. Um, today, we're going to be talking about how God does something really, really special in our lives when bad things happen to us. Um, he gives us something that is really, really precious that makes us into people who can help others. And so can you listen today for what that thing is that God gives us when bad things happen? Um, we are, uh, we're in a series called Why? God and Suffering. Um, and in this series, we're learning about God uh, and how God wants to be with us in our suffering. Um, and what we've seen so far, and we're going to look at this even more over the weeks to come, um, when we suffer, it's not God's fault, but God is always here to help. And so to review just uh, some of the things that we've seen in our series, we've seen that in our suffering, Psalm 23 tells us that God is with us. Um, James 1 says that God uses our suffering to make us strong and mature. Uh, and then we saw in John 4 that in our suffering, Jesus meets us to set us free. And then last week in John 9, we saw that in our suffering, God displays his works in our lives. And so I hope you can see some of the richness of what the Bible has to say. The Bible doesn't shy away from talking about suffering, um, but I hope you can see that God is actively at work when we suffer he, isn't, he doesn't abandon us. And so today we're going to go even deeper. Um, we're going to look at a really powerful passage of the Bible. This is a passage that um, it excites my own heart. It, it is powerful in my life, and it's been powerful to provide encouragement to others. And so it's 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And in this passage, we're going to see today that God uses suffering to make us a blessing to others to make us a blessing to others. And so just a, a shout out to, uh, to dads and fathers today. Um, on Father's Day, I know that, um, that the call to be a dad, the call to be a father, especially in our day and age where there's so much that's said um, about toxic masculinity, and there's so much that's said that sort of makes men, I think, sometimes feel like they don't really have um, something to aim for. There, there's just a lot of suffering in, that when it comes, uh, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of ways in which we're afflicted uh, as fathers and God wants to meet us here today uh, and he wants us to be a blessing to others. And so he's going to give us something to help us do that. So we're going to read 2 Corinthians 1 verses 3 through 10. And so um, follow along with me if you have your Bible, um, you can read it there. So 2 Corinthians 1 verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience 
when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experience in Asia, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. This is so, so, so powerful. My own relationship with God started 31 years ago um, during a time when I was suffering, during a time that I was in great affliction. I felt like my life had fallen apart. Um, I felt like a failure. I felt like I had no direction. I felt like nothing was going right. But someone had told me that I could have a relationship with God. And that was new to me. I didn't know what a relationship with God was. I mean, I knew what it was like to go to church. I knew what it was like to go through the motions. I knew it was, what it was like to say that I believed in a God, but, um, but I didn't know who God was. I didn't have a relationship with him. And so I remember that, that, that I could have a relationship with God. And so I called out to God in my pain and he heard me. He heard me. He cared about me. And in that, on that day, nothing in my life, none of my circumstances changed. <clears throat> nothing was fixed. But I knew that I was right with God. I knew that God cared about me. God gave me comfort in that day, on, you know, in that moment. And that's where it started. For so many people, suffering convinces them that God isn't real or that God doesn't care. I've found the opposite to be true. I've found that when I suffer, I turn to God and God comforts me. God becomes even more real to me in my suffering and affliction. And this is exactly what Paul describes in this passage. We're just going to look at two points as we review these verses, the first thing I want you to see that Paul is saying is that he says, God gives us comfort. <clears throat> God gives us comfort. Let's look again at verse three. He said, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of mercies and God of all comfort. It's like he's coming up with a new name for God. God isn't just God, he's the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, he's the father of mercies, and now he's the, he's the God of all comfort. And then verse four says, who comforts us in all our affliction. So in all of the ways that we are afflicted, in all of our suffering, God gives us comfort. If we come to him, right? How does this work? How does God give us comfort? Well, when you go to God, when you pray to God, when you cry out to God, even when you complain to God, 
God hears you. God hears you. He tells you through his word. He tells you through his spirit. Sometimes he tells you through other people that he cares. God cares when you're hurting. God hurts when you are hurting. And God wants to give you comfort in the midst of your pain. And there's comfort to know that God is still in control. There's comfort when we remember that God is God, that he knows who we are, he knows where we are, he knows what we're going through. And in all of our affliction, no matter what it is, there is no affliction that can happen to us where we can't turn to God and hear God say, I'm sorry this is happening to you. It is not my design. It is not my desire that you be afflicted this way, but I care. I care. I'm going to give you comfort. I care about you. I know what you're going through. You're not alone in this. And Paul says something amazing in verse 5. He says, For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ, we share abundantly in comfort too. And so there's a connection here. There's a connection here between suffering and God's comfort. It's almost like Paul is basically saying, like, to the degree that you experience suffering, to that degree you can experience God's comfort. It's like he's saying, you're not going to know just how much God can care for you. You don't know how much comfort God has in store to pour into your life until you've suffered. When you're comfortable without God, you don't need God. And so one of the things that suffering does is suffering opens us up to need God because when we're suffering, we're not comfortable. When we're suffering, we're not getting comfort from other places. And so the only place that we can go is God. And when we go to God, actually, it's not true. There's all kinds of places that we can go. We can go, to, we can go to alcohol, and we can drink and just sort of forget. We can medicate our pain. We can use food. We can use sex. We can use all sorts of addictive behaviors. And in those ways, we can seek out comfort. And sometimes those things give us a temporary relief. But Paul is saying that when you turn to God, you give God a chance to give you his own divine comfort. It never runs out. The more that you suffer, the more of God's comfort you can receive. And this isn't just Christian speak. This isn't just Paul with a bumper sticker, just Paul saying some platitude that's, I mean, Paul gets real about this. In verse 8, he says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experience in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. You see that? We were so utterly burdened beyond our strength. Do you know what that means? That means that the suffering was so bad, the pain was so bad that we did not have the strength to endure it. We despaired of life itself. Like we wanted to die. Paul's saying that in this affliction, we wanted to die. Have you felt that way? 
I mean, not all suffering brings us to this point, but some does. Have you ever just thought, I'm out? I'm done? Paul didn't give up. Verse 9, he goes on, he says, Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. So we thought it was decreed that this was going to be the end, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Paul's saying here that in those, in that moment, in that experience, we realize that the good that God brought into that, the good that God brought out of that, was that we learned not to rely on ourselves, not to rely on our strength, but on God who raises the dead. This looks like us saying, God, I can't do this. God, I can't face this. God, I don't know what I'm going to do. God, everywhere I go, God, no matter what I'm doing, I can't escape from this pain. It's being honest that this is where we're at. It's being honest with God. It's saying, God, I can't do this. When you cry out to God, and you see in the pages of Scripture, you see that God cares so deeply for his people when they suffer. When you see Jesus, who reaches out to the woman at the well that we looked at, when you see Jesus who reaches out to the man who was born blind, you recognize that Jesus cares and that brings comfort. And I get it. I understand that there's a, there's a moment where we say, well, God, if you really care, then you would take this away. And God says, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. And, and I, I see God's heart breaking when we feel that way because he understands it. He understands the logic. God, if you're all powerful and you love me, why would you make me suffer this way? And, and God, I think, I think what God wants to say is it's just that's not how it works. That in our lives, in our world, evil exists because people have the ability to choose and to act. They have agency. They have free will. And people can use that will to do good or to do evil. And sometimes, like, awful, awful evil. And God says that the way my covenant works is it's love and it's an invitation to come in to my presence where I'm not forcing people. There's freedom that I give to people that are made in my image to use that freedom. And I don't force it. And it's hard because the amount of pain and suffering that come because of that freedom. It's enormous. And so what I can commit to you, though, is that I can provide comfort. I care when you're suffering. I hear when you're crying. I know the pain that you're going through. Because I didn't. It's not just that I've heard from heaven, but I came into your world 
I came into your experience and I experienced all of your suffering and even more. And I did it as a real human being so you would never, ever, ever think that I don't understand. This is comfort. We need to not rely on ourselves, but on God. We need to rely not on ourselves or on anything else that we can come up with. We need to run into the presence of God and say, God, this is how I'm feeling. And then we need to pick up this word and say, God, who are you in the face of my suffering? And you need to reread John 4. You need to reread John 9. Reread James 1. These are the passages that we've looked at. Reread Psalm 23, just as a start. And to see that God understands that we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And we're not afraid because he is with us. And God shows us his comfort in his presence, in his word, in reminding us of the reality that he is here. Some of you are suffering right now. And God is with you right now. God is speaking to you right now through his word, through this passage, through me as your pastor. To tell you that he sees and he cares. Providing comfort. Verse 10, Paul says, he delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. Friends, we have this hope. Sometimes, sometimes this hope comes to fruition in this life. And sometimes we say, all right, this is awful, but we know, we know that there's coming a day. If it doesn't happen in this life, there is coming a day that will be the beginning of forever and ever and ever when God will make all of this right. And we have that hope and it doesn't disappoint because God's already begun the work in us. And the work he begins, he's going to complete when Jesus comes back. And so friends, this is comfort. God gives us comfort. The second thing that this passage teaches us, first, God gives us comfort, but second, then we comfort each other. God gives us comfort, and uh, we, we've talked about this before. We are blessed to be a blessing. That, that, that God wants to bless us. He doesn't just give us a piece of cheesecake. He gives us a whole cheesecake so that you can have a piece, and then you can share with others. Like God doesn't just give you one movie ticket. He gives you four tickets so that you can go and you can bring your friends. Right? God fills us up so that we overflow. That's what Psalm 23 says. Remember that? It says, you anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. God pours so much of his comfort into our lives. And the design of that is that it would spill out so that we would be able to comfort each other. This is exactly what verse 4 says. It says that he comforts us in all our affliction so that, there's a purpose there, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. You see that? 
that God wants to give you comfort so that you can comfort others in any affliction. That's what the text says, in any affliction. How are we going to do that? Verse says, with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. And this is the power in this passage. Like, not only does God give us comfort, he's the God of all comfort. He cares and he draws near and he's with us even when we think we can't go on, even when we feel like we're about to die. He gives us comfort so that we can go on, comfort so that we know he cares, comfort so that we'll be strengthened and we can stand up underneath the weight of it. So that, I mean, this is amazing. Strength in the Christian life, strength in following Jesus isn't just that you can stay up under the weight and not be crushed. That's a huge part of it. James 1 talks about that, right? Remember hupomone, hupomene, that staying up under the strength, the endurance that comes. Um, but then the purpose is that we could look, at, look around us so that we're not just consumed with ourselves, but that we can see, wait, we're not the only ones that are suffering here. We're not the only ones that are afflicted here. God wants us to then reach out to them to comfort them with the comfort that we receive from God. And so, man, there's a call here. There's a call here for us, like the call here to you. How has God comforted you? Because that's the comfort that God wants you to share with others. What are the truths of who God is that have meant something to you? Share that with other people. And you can say, look, your affliction is really different from what I've experienced, but this is how God has met me. Maybe in how he's met me, he'll meet you. And so you don't have to have the exact same experience. I mean, it helps if you do, right? It really does. And, and, and there's, um, my coach talks about the genius in your wound. He talks about where we suffer and God brings comfort to us. He says, we then have sort of a unique optic on the gospel. We have a unique experience that's unique to us because it met us in our affliction. It met us in our suffering. And we now have this ability to talk about how God met us in these places. And we've got something to offer. And very often, very often what God will do is he'll bring other people into your life that he cares about so that they can hear how he's comforted you so that they'll know that they're not alone and they'll be able to see, oh, wow, I'm not the only one. But sometimes it's you just having a heart for people. It's you just caring about people. And you reach out to them and their suffering is different. And so you offer them the comfort that you've received and you say, hey, how does this land for you? Or do you see how this might help you? Or do you see that God cares about you in your affliction also? Verse six, Paul goes on and he's just, he makes it, he just spells it out. If we are afflicted, this is so powerful. If we are afflicted, it's for your comfort and salvation. And if we're comforted, it's for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Like, this is extraordinary. Paul realized, wait, we're being afflicted, and I realize now that it's for you.
power of God's word. This is Paul inviting you to think differently about your suffering. Because we do. I mean, we think, oh, God, why is this happening? God, why me? God, why are you doing this? God, where are you? God, why? I mean, all these things, right? Paul got to this place in verse 6 where he realized, in every way that I suffer, it's actually for you. I'm afflicted in all the ways that I'm afflicted so that I can build bridges between that affliction and God's comfort. Not just for my sake, but so that others could walk across that bridge. And there's purpose in your suffering. There's purpose in your suffering. When you are afflicted, it is for the comfort and the salvation of others. So many people don't know what to do with their suffering. They don't know where to go. They don't know where to turn. And a lot of them even say they believe in God, and yet when suffering hits, they don't go to him. They don't know to go to him. They don't know how to go to him. That was my life. That was my life. I believed in God. I believed in Jesus. I believed I was a sinner. I believed he died for my sins. But it had no impact on my life because I didn't know how to connect it to suffering until someone else showed me how. Someone else told me what they did to have a relationship with God. And it didn't just start that way, but that's how it's been my entire Christian life. I've been walking with Jesus now for 31 years. And he has met me over and over and over and over again. And suffering's too painful to describe and share. And I've watched him. I've watched God do this. I've seen this happen in my own life. I've seen this, and frankly, in our church family, I mean, glory be to God, I have experienced this comfort from so many of you who have found comfort in your affliction. And this is how it works. This is how it works. And we don't always have all the answers, but we have what John 9 reminds us of. Look, here's what I know. I was blind, and now I see. I'm not sure all the questions you're asking, all the things you're throwing at me. Like that, I don't know, but here's what I know. I was blind, and now I see. So I don't know all of what God is doing in your life. But I know that in all of your affliction, God wants to give you his comfort so that you would know that he cares, so that you would know that he is with you. And also, like God thinks so highly of you. He has crowned you with glory and honor, Psalm 8 says, that he wants you to stand and to reach out. God thinks so highly of you that there are people in your life that God wants you to reach out to who are suffering and to offer them his comfort. The comfort that you have received from him. I mean, this is so, so deep. 
uh, I want to just tell you about an interaction that I've had recently with, with, a, um, with a friend of mine. Um, he is, he's gay, and he is committed to a life of celibacy. And he's trying to follow Jesus' sexual ethic. And there's times when he is just tired and frustrated with the struggle. Um, and he feels often like he is in the story of the disciples when they're in the boat with Jesus in Mark chapter 4, verses 33 and on. It says, and a great windstorm arose. Some of you know this story. Um, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. And these were fishermen and they were freaked out. Verse 38 says, but Jesus was in the stern of the boat asleep on the cushion and they woke him and they said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And I just, I don't know, sometimes in translation or, you know, the Bible's nice. I mean, they're freaked out. Jesus, do you care? We're going to die. Jesus, what are you doing? Why are you sleeping? And with this friend of mine, it seems like Jesus brings him to these places where he doubts before Jesus comes through. And he's sick of it. And he's angry that he has to do this. And I feel his pain. I mean, in some ways, I can't relate to his struggle. But in other deeper ways, I feel like I can. Because I understand my own version of that. I mean, we're all afflicted, right? And sometimes it feels like we're afflicted because it feels like Jesus is sleeping. It feels like the waves are crashing, the boat's filling up with water, and we look around, God, where are you? And it seems like Jesus is sleeping. And we're sick and we're frustrated at the pain of following Jesus. Many of us thought, man, I didn't know this. it was going to be like this. I didn't know Jesus following was going to take this much suffering. Like, what is going on? And we look up at God and it's like, God, really? This? And Jesus is sleeping? Like, he's the one you sent and he's sleeping. Really? So we're talking through this and his pain and his frustration and and what's coming over me is this reality that we just don't understand, that for us today, Jesus isn't sleeping. That Jesus died. He was laid in the grave so that he would never sleep for us. That he stands daily interceding for us, especially when we're suffering. And he suffered and he died to rescue us from our doubt, to rescue us from our cynicism, from our myopic view of our lives, from the way that we look for happiness and power and comfort in all the wrong places. Jesus died for that. So we're talking about this. And my friend told me, he's like, as a celibate gay Christian, I need intentional family inclusion. I need specific families to recognize me as a member of their family. And I just said, man, I hear you, brother. And I'm sorry. 
it makes me sad that because like families on the other hand, they need to have permission to be able to say that they're tired, to be able to say that they're overwhelmed. And for many families, home is a place of, of refuge. It's not part of the mission. Like we get home and now we can relax and we don't want to have to continue to give and sacrifice once we get home. And so most families don't feel like they have more to give at home. And just said, I'm sorry. And as we kept talking, I was thinking like it's, it's extra awful, I think, for, for gay Christians that are in churches that are committed to the sexual ethic of Jesus. Um, it's really painful because <clears throat> churches want to push their, their gay members to being celibate but they're not willing to make the sacrifices necessary to support them in their celibacy. And we don't understand just how difficult it is to live under this burden. That the affliction is coming in some ways from God's word and from the standard that Jesus sets. And I thought, well, maybe churches just shouldn't be allowed to have countercultural views if they're not willing to sacrifice to support those who are made to suffer because of those views. He just said, if I can't find family within the church, where else am I going to go? Where else can I find community and then stay faithful to Jesus? He's like, I'm angry. I just told him, man, my heart is moved for you. Like, I hear your cry and your anger. And then I, I, I had this vision of, again, the disciples on the boat, right? And now, though, they're not angry at God or Jesus sleeping, but they're angry with the other disciples. It's like, what are you guys doing here? Why aren't you, don't you care that I'm perishing? Like, don't you care? I'm here and I'm trying to follow the convictions that we're all upholding. And I can't do it without help. And I just started crying. Like, I'm so sorry. I don't know what the answer is here, but I'm committed to being, to helping. I'm committing to learning. And in that, he just said, thank you so much. I feel like you understand at least a little bit. I feel seen. I feel heard and understood. And I said, you know what, I, I see more now of the burden that you're carrying. I see more of the weight that you're under. And I don't think that there is a greater weight that anyone can carry today in our day and age. I said, I don't know that there's a greater hero today than the person who's willing to pick up this burden and carry it. I told him, look, it's not just that I see you, but I know that Jesus sees you too. I know that Jesus is deeply moved by your struggle and your frustration and your anger. And he is honored by your willingness to carry this. And Jesus doesn't want you to carry it alone. And he just said, thank you, thank you, thank you. He said, I need more Samwise Gamgees in my life 
who can remind me of these things from the Lord of the Rings. Um, he said, those words remind me of the purpose and the honor in this suffering. They remind me of why I'm carrying this uncomfortable load. He said, I just want to suffer this well, to be counted worthy of these sufferings. I want to carry these burdens with dignity and confidence that our Lord will soon right all wrongs and vindicate the oppressed. Now, I know in his life how much comfort he has been able to provide to others. And this is it, friends. This is this passage in flesh and blood. If God comforted me, I'm able to comfort him and then receive comfort from him. The strength that he has, the power that he has, builds my own faith. And now both of us are trying to walk forward to comfort others. And I bring this up. I bring this, it's an extreme example, right? It's, it's one of the most difficult areas of suffering, I think, that exists. So that we would know that this is possible, even in the most difficult examples. So what I want to call you to do today is I want you to, to think about how has God comforted you? What are the ways that you've been comforted by God? And then who in your life is suffering? And can you share with them how God has given you comfort to see if God might use you to comfort them? And if you're tuned in and you're not a Christian, God wants to give you this comfort. He cares about you. He knows you by name. And if you commit to him, he will commit to you. He will commit to showing you his personal and powerful love. I mean, this is for all of us. And some of us that are Christians have, have wandered away from this. I just want to invite all of you to come, to commit again to Jesus, and to know that you're coming to someone who cares and he wants to fill your life with his comfort. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for caring about us. Thank you for your word that speaks clearly to our lives in this day and age. God, this extreme example, we're in extreme times with all of the things going on with racism. There is so much there's so much affliction. There's so much suffering. And God, I pray that you would give us comfort so that we might be able to comfort others. Some of whom are being afflicted the way that we are. And some of whom are going through things that we have no capacity to understand. I think about racism and, and the, the challenge that, um, that the white community has in not understanding what the black community is going through. And I pray, God, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear that you would fill our hearts with comfort and compassion so that we would listen, so that we would care, so that we would not assume that we know what someone else's experience is, but just to provide comfort from Jesus. God, so many of us have opinions about politics and policy, and um, Lord, I just pray that you would help us lift out of that 
and care more about souls than we do about politics. We care more about hearing people and caring for them where they are, listening to their afflictions, and then providing comfort that you have provided to us. God, change our church. Meet us in our suffering. And then help us to share your comfort with others. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.